0: Welcome to School Story. I'm your host, Chris Cowherd. Uh, We'll be talking with a friend of mine named Nick Brintley. Nick actually is the uh, younger brother of Austin Brintley. Austin was my college roommate and was my first interview for my podcast, and so um, his brother was interested in talking to me as well. Nick is a performing artist in San Francisco, and we'll be talking a lot about performing arts and the value in schools and his experiences and how his schooling is related to becoming a performing artist. Nick grew up in the D.C. area and moved to New York shortly after school, um, but after some time, decided to re-engage his career in San Francisco. So we'll talk a little bit about the difference between his experiences in, the, in those two cities. And now, Thank you for taking the taking the time to come uh, to to chat with me. I know it's uh, it's been a long time since we've um we've actually spoken or seen each other. It's been a yeah must have been two thousand eight two thousand nine. Oh man, it's a long long time. It's a long long (laughs) time. Are you uh, are you performing now? Tell me tell me a little bit about what you're doing. Last uh, last time we chatted, you were you were dancing. Um, mm-hmm. and trying to pursue that as a career. Is that uh, still what's what's up now?
1: Well, I mean, amidst uh, coronavirus, and what <laughs> has just done to the economy and the workforce, and, um, currently not doing a whole lot, but uh, have definitely fostered a performing career. I definitely continue to dance. Um, now I'm mixing that with more music, getting back into that and um, circus arts, I'm actually training on stilts. Um, but yeah, have have made a career out of doing all those things, whether it be through uh, established companies or just a series of projects. Uh, now I'm freelance, so I'll say yes or no to various projects throughout the year.
0: I mean, does that get busy to keep, I know obviously you said you're not working much now, but um, you know, keeping track of all of that, uh, does it get uncertain?
1: Um, I would say no, and it's really interesting in that in in say contrast to New York City where where I used to live uh, That the markets as an artist are very very different. Uh, New York City is very audition based Whereas here in the Bay Area uh, There is a little bit of that too, but I'd say what there's a lot more of is is um more of a DIY approach to making art so you'll have someone or a group of people who have a great idea and then just band together with the skills that they have to to make it happen
0: i mean did you know that that was what you were moving to when you made the switch or uh you know when you left new york to go to california what was the what was the drive there
1: the drive was there there were three things i mean i I was with a partner at the time who was from the Bay Area, but we met in New York City. She was also an artist, a singer, songwriter, actress. And we both reached a point where we began to understand how New York worked. And we also know from having lived there for a few years how easy it is to get stuck there or to to get kind of trapped in New York's insular bubble um, and just not leave the city. And while it's easy for a lot of people to believe that New York is the place to go to be successful as an artist, uh, which depending on what you do might be true. If you wanna be a Broadway musical star, then yeah, go there. Um, But if you wanna be an opera singer or an actor or a playwright, like there's, there's so many places you can be to do that. And so we came, we moved, we moved across the country here to the Bay, and in together at the same time, um, just as a trial to see what it would be like to be an artist outside of New York City. Um, and long story short, uh, that was nine years ago. <laughs> so so. Um, I, so I you're saying the
0: trial period is winding down. It's winding down, yeah. <laughs>
1: I'm about to, to write a conclusion and send it back to New York and say, hey.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, we live, I lived in New York for a while, too, as you know. Uh, it's, I, I love going back as often as I can. So one of the things that I wanted to talk to a little bit about sort of maybe I guess you can say more formally is just about your um, arts education um, from your just your schooling. Um, I don't know exactly where you went to school, but uh, maybe some sense of the type of art experiences you had and maybe um, how those may have impacted you in, in, in your choice of uh, pursuing arts as a career.
1: Whew, that's a thick topic. Okay, so I... Oh, well. So, um, I mean, I I can't ignore where I came from, which is obviously my family, but a very artistic family. Being an artist was was welcomed, it was embraced by my family. Um, I, I would say I identify as the only dancer, per se. We all played music, some of us were visual, but yeah, I was definitely the only dancer. I, I went on to attend an all-boys prep school, the same one as my brother, Austin, and ah, it was, and still is, like most educational establishments in the U.S., one that really prioritized and emphasized academics um, and athletics. Uh, the arts were there, but it's it was this secondary, ancillary thing that... It, was, it felt like kind of lip service. So I ended up going to a liberal arts college with uh, an open curriculum. So there were no general education requirements, no distrib- no distribution requirements. Um, you need a major, uh, which will have its own requirements. But outside of that, you can take anything you want.
0: Now, right after, so, and I know a few artists, not very many, but generally there's a, there's this sort of lag between the time let's say you leave school to actually having a regular performance and such that you could make a living, uh, as a performer. Did you, did you experience that or what was that like, um, sort of in between, you know, finishing college and, and really feeling, you know, kind of like where you are right now. you are feeling, sounds like you're feeling pretty good about, uh, where you are with your career and everything.
1: It was, is very nonlinear very up and down. Um, and I do remember approaching commencement of college. This fear in so many students about, oh, what am I gonna do? Where am I gonna go? Where where am I gonna use my degree? And not knowing. There was so much uncertainty with people that scared people. And and I was the opposite. I I I wasn't scared and and I didn't have a plan. And yeah, didn't know what I was gonna do about it. So so I went home. I, I went and went home with my folks and and three weeks into the summer, I get a call from uh, a teacher who taught me in undergrad. She was actually a grad student. And she called me from Philadelphia saying that she had joined a company, a dance company, and they were about to go on tour and needed another male, another male dancer, to compliment one that was already cast. Uh, Later that year, I, I enrolled in, it was a musical theater intensive. It was a one-week intensive. It was in New York City. So I, I came to New York, um, and it was a one-week intensive. It was called Making making It on Broadway. And by the end of that week, I, I, it was, it was, I felt charged and energized. i like, yeah, this is what I want to do. Uh, but I also realized, okay, if this is what I want to do, then this, this place, New York City, this is where I need to be. Uh, and then I came home and put in my two weeks everywhere. I think I had maybe five or six jobs, um, all hospitality. Put in my two weeks at all of them. <laughs> and and in, in that time, uh, orchestrated a, a sublet in New York. And, and uh, that was my transition into New York City. It was very sudden, very quick. We often associate or are at least aware that a lot of performers, actors, dancers will wait tables or their bartend on the side or they'll, they'll use that as a way to, to gain their support. I submitted, applied, interviewed at over 120 bars, clubs, restaurants, lounges, um, all of whom said. You no, know, before before i landed uh, a job as a as a server in times square of all places uh, i was there for eight months and then was was finally let go um that was my first time ever being let go um did, and did, it was it was, it was a reason, frankly or? i was unhappy say again
0: did you have like a reason or they just like how did that happen
1: you know what it was it was, it was, it was multiple things. There were, <laughs> um, I think what it came down to for them was that I was, I was late. I was late enough times. It was probably like four or five times uh, where like th- that was enough for them. And actually one of those times was, and, and maybe, maybe it was when I was with you. Uh, it was a New Year's. <laughs> it was a New Year's Eve. <laughs> it was a new year's eve you might have been there austin my brother he was in town it's possible and
0: that picture we took was from new year's eve so
1: yeah um so i had a great time and and i guess woke up late the next morning went to work anyway and was was let go on new year's day and so being let go being fired was actually the best thing that could have happened to me because it was in doing that that I, I, I in, in the quiet after losing my job, I said, you know what, screw that. Like I, I came here to be an artist and that's what I wanted to do. That's that's what I'm gonna be. And from then on, that was my, my uh, um, I guess my oath to this path. Um, shortly after I became an art model at the School of Visual Arts. And that is how I made a living for the following three years in New York.
0: I mean, could you have envisioned, you know, this path that you're taking and all that it took, all the work, all the effort, all the ups and all the downs? I mean, were were those things that you knew you were going to experience, or is it just one of those things that you have to go through to understand?
1: Definitely the latter, Um, if only because New York is this, I think what makes it so exciting, at least for me, was was that there's so many people, there's so much stimuli, and the the place is charged with so much potential and possibility. You don't know what everything is going to bring to you. Uh, You don't know who you're going to meet, what you're going to see, what's going to happen. I even remember (laughs) I was actually, I had a a, a coloring book. It's called the Anatomy Coloring Book. Uh, A lot of dance majors will use it in their their undergrad programs. And as a dancer felt it felt it important to understand, okay, this is how the body works. I knew that if I tried to work on it at home I'd be distracted by too many of the things. So I left and went to a Starbucks. Like I, I lived in Brooklyn. I went into Manhattan to Astor Place. Sat in a Starbucks to, to color this book and was was at this counter by the window and there was a woman who who sat near me couple minutes later and I could tell by her body language that she was waiting for something and and I asked her I was like are you like you look pretty nervous like are, are you waiting for someone and she's like yeah I'm actually I'm about to meet a, a, a movie director a movie producer um and I was like oh cool and we we exchanged small talk for a few minutes eventually the guy came and and so he came they sat down they have their conversation and into the conversation, she turns around. She's like, well, I, 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 I'm I, not a dancer, but this guy is. <laughs> <laughs> and long story short, I, I was cast in this film, and she wasn't. Wow. And it's it's stories like that that make living in New York so exciting, because that, that kind of stuff could happen any day. Um, so to answer your question, no. I, I, I could not have seen... There's, there's no way to predict...
0: What would you say those um, your, your school experiences have contributed to your your current path or your or, or your current way of navigating your path? That's another way. It's another thing that schools bring to people is that, you know, you've learned something about how you operate um, or you learn something about a particular subject that you develop a passion for. Would you say that? Um, how, how would you say school uh, impacted you in that way?
1: Uh, I, I would say it, it was it was actually pretty lackluster, very poor, um, and I hear this across the board from a lot of dancers who, I mean, to speak to that evolution, when you're young and say you're 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 single digits or your teens, and you you find something that you like, whether it's dance or you love to play music, and you envision pursuing that later in life after college, once I'm an adult and I'm out in the world, then I'll I'll just dance and. And it's 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 easy to be swept up in that 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 idea, especially if you're if you're excited about it, and if you're good, if you're good at it, and and that's recognized by the people around you, by the roles that you land in a production, um, by how you're featured. That oh, I just keep doing this, and and that'll be my job. And what I think is missing is is the business side of being an artist it's something that they that is not taught in in even undergrad um, and undergrad programs where you're 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 majoring in this field and you emerge with this degree that will enable you to have good technique with your dancing ability you might have written a few papers about dance history uh, but navigating the dance world from a business standpoint which is essential that's not taught
0: you know the 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 name of my podcast is school story and it really is just about it's about a story you know I'm trying to collect school stories about um people's experiences now a lot of the people that I've initially contacted a lot of teachers um but also people who obviously who've gone to school and who may have um stories from their time as a student that they feel like is a, a really good st- story to share for some reason so um if you had a chance to think about what kind of story you'd like to share
1: yeah um yeah the, there's so many there's the, so many the, there's so many out, uh, so one that i picked was i was an undergrad i was a, i think a sophomore And and again, I was I was a theater and dance major at a school where you get to basically craft your own curriculum You can choose your major and then take anything you want And so I made a beeline for that school so I could do music theater and dance 24-7 and not have to do chemistry and anything else that that didn't interest me Uh, but my advisor who was in the theater department? He he advised me to branch out, try try some other things that are that are not arts related. Um, so so yeah, I indulged him and found a psychology course that was brand new, never offered before. Uh, it was it's called the psychology of food and eating disorders. Fascinating, fascinating, and it hit home being in the dance world where that's that that's an issue. So the psychology of food and eating disorders. Uh, there were maybe 40 of us in this class, never offered. And and uh, yeah, a lot of very interesting uh, topics discussed and explored. It was very challenging um, to the point where I think there were three tests over the course of the semester. And by the second one, I remember the teacher was handing, handing the test out to all of us And he said out loud, most of you will fail. He said that in advance. Um, (laughs) And, and, and long story short, I think, uh, if I remember correctly, you're allowed to withdraw from one course and you're allowed to fail another course without penalty. And I think this, this was the course that I failed, Um, but I remember one specific day where we were talking about uh, there was a concept conditioned taste aversion basically where where food makes you sick and I don't mean just food poisoning I mean the same food like I cannot eat that because it will make me feel a certain way Um, but then he he went on to 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 discuss um, some idiosyncrasies some some quirks about food and people's association with it and he used the example of cheese he said that there's there are people whose relation to cheese will change depending on what the cheese looks like so for instance if it's white cheese say on a pizza totally fine but if it's yellow cheese they can't eat it no way and it's just it's just too weird and so he asked he asked the whole room does anyone identify with this is anyone associated with nobody raised their hand and so the class is now over and people are leaving to, to go to their next class and I'm walking across the campus with four or five students who were in the class several of whom did identify they did associate with what he was saying but they didn't raise their hands and didn't announce that because of a fear of what people would think of them and it was so telling because this particular school had a lot of students. It was chock full of students who were very strong-minded, very opinionated. There was this desire to be right and to be understood, Uh, but there was also this, this, um, uh, this upholding of an image that people, it was more important for people to be liked than it was for them to be truthful. And, and that was such a clear demonstration of that that I, I found so silly. Like,
0: I, I wonder I, I wonder if that's conditional, like in the sense that I, I wonder, would it be different if it was in a different group of people? Would it have been different if there was a smaller group of students? Would it have, you know, at what point does that feeling diminish um, of being sort of exposed? Uh, I, I see that with kids, in students all the time and to be honest I saw that a lot with online learning this year when we've had students in our zoom rooms or whatever I mean they don't want to say a word they don't want they don't want their cameras on Um, you know even though that they are not in a group it still feels very isolating to be in a zoom room because it's it looks like there are 20 people looking just at you.
1: That's so fascinating because, as an artist, as a performing artist, um, it's 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 actually the opposite. Uh, that yeah, because we, I mean, an artist. I mean, if if you think about any other any occupation, whether it's being an educator, being a car salesman, uh, where you have a very clear product or service, whether it be your your class or the way that you teach or i'm selling these things if you think about the the uh the scope the products and services of an artist a performing artist uh the product is is you it's it's what you can do what you look like what you could look like there's a malleability there uh what it's like to work with you are you on time are you are you well rested are you are you prepared like there's, there's it, the product is you as a person. And so there's, I think what goes along with that is this sense of individ individuality that is not just strong, but enforced and protected. Like this is the, you, you are presenting yourself to the world as a marketable thing, as a marketable person. So, so being outspoken about the things that are important to you, the things that matter to you, that's part of the territory you need to be able to do that because no one's gonna do that for you similarly the what you were saying about this this the relationship through zoom the lack of that the isolation it's interesting in that especially during during lockdown and quarantine how it's it's funny like now (laughs) in in times when When spirits are low and people can't do a whole lot, what are they doing? They're turning to the artists. They're watching all the movies, all the TV, listening to a whole bunch of music. Um, They're turning to artists to make the world a better place. And so what was also happening was that the live performing artists, like dancers, burlesque performers, aerialists, um, actors, we are all being pushed to keep creating because that's what people need. People need art to make life better. Keep doing what you're doing. Um, but, but what was also happening was that, okay, like the, mon- the monetization of that is a challenge in itself, but it's I think what was more prevalent was how, there's a beautiful article I read about it. It's called The Art of Assembly. And it basically highlighted that there's a very specific connection between an artist Uh, performer or a cast and the audience Uh, but there's also a connection between the audience and itself so for instance when you go see a show on a night when there's that one guy who has that weird laugh and and, and (laughs) he's able to recruit the whole room to also laugh Uh, But then there are the audiences that are super quiet and as a performer You'll you'll know this if you do a run of a show every audience is different Um, But but now with this online interface That connection is gone It's gone. You don't you get no response. It doesn't matter if it's two people in your audience or 200 It doesn't feel any different Even though yeah, all of them are looking at you Uh, that that connection is missing and it. It's it's very hard for people to to impossible even to read the room or to 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 tap into the energy that the audience is giving them to that could ultimately affect their performance. Um, that's missing. These
0: are the kind of things I just I've been wondering about. You know, when people have um, have careers and you know after school is over, um, what what does school matter anymore or did it matter at all? I mean, again, I don't know. I I don't know the answer to that question. Um, I'm just asking the question because I, there's this, there's this part of me that thinks that we could be doing something else, something else, uh, in school that would better prepare, uh, us to be, you know, members of our society, whether it's in a career or whether it's in civic life or, or, or whatever. Um, I, I would hope that there's a significant contribution from, you know, all the way down to kindergarten to the type not I mean, I know we, it, it helps shape the type of people that we are. Um, but sometimes I wonder whether um, it actually, um, you know, how to what extent it impacts the choices um, for careers. Um, and and so that's uh, that's, you know, one of the one of the one of the ongoing questions I'll continue to ask people as I do this.
1: Well, it's, I'm I'm glad you're asking that now because, and I, I don't know if you've ever heard of him. He's a educator. His name is Sir Ken Robinson. Oh yes,
0: of course, absolutely. Yeah,
1: so I uh, love his his philosophy, his ethos, the way he says it about yeah creativity, the current education system, how we kind of coach creativity out of students, yeah. why why it's important to retain and emphasize the arts. Our education system is really primed to prioritize and ultimately privilege people who excel at reading, writing, arithmetic um, in preparation for, even if inadvertently, to become a professor, a university professor. Uh, But that without acknowledging that we are as humans, we are intelligent in all the ways that we experience the world. And so, the, the, the importance of being able to be exposed to things that are outside of books um, and, and cultivate that, if only just to make for a more rich life, let alone maybe have a career that stems from one of these interests, uh, that's imperative. And so, so that's that's my hope for for this education system that we're able to to acknowledge the arts as not just this thing that you could do over there that you'll never have a career in because i've done it (laughs) lots of people have
0: (laughs) all right man thank you very much and uh good luck i
1: really appreciate it uh taking the time thanks for listening